This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Tell you what, big show today. Looking forward to it. Today we're talking about, we're talking with uh, Tony Seawright, who's former Miss Mississippi, but she's also a COVID-19 survivor. And I tell you what, um, she had an incredible story, but she's always had an incredible story. And I think we're going to start from the very beginning with her. She'll talk a little bit about her experience with it with us and talk about her journey to recovery as well. Michelle and I will talk about the latest stories in the weekly roundup as well. I tell you what, you want to be part of the show. This is your show, too. You can give us a call and join in on the conversation, and that number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or you can drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Right, we're going to wel- welcome Tony in just a second, but uh, first, it's t- for our top stories, and we'll just go ahead and let Michelle jump in and start off. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I... Uh, probably need to get a haircut uh i have to admit I mean, it's getting close i'm starting to look like 1986 marshall so that's getting to be a slight issue so Did you take a picture I, I need probably to i need to see 10 that. To 15 pounds of hair take easily. a picture of that so we can um uh, it's that. impressive yeah so we can always know that you look like that again and i would love to see it <laughs> send me a picture of i that. did i posted it on facebook last week of my high school picture and then me now and there's very little difference other than the fact that it's now an old man wearing that hair wow. so yeah it's 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 impressive so <laughs> Well, Marshall, my good news story for today comes out of Brandon, Mississippi. It's about a 10-year-old boy named James Pacelli who decided to ride his bike for 10 miles to raise money for the Mississippi Food Network. Now, he says he was just sitting at home with nothing to do when he came up with the idea. Now, once his mom took to Facebook to spread the news of what her son was doing, people from 12 different states and three different countries donated to Pacelli's bike ride. He was able to raise $3,000 for the Mississippi Food Network, and that provided over 18,000 meals for Mississippians in need. Stories like these remind me that it doesn't matter how old you are. If you want to make a difference in your community, you can. That's that's the beauty of this. By the way, James, I just want to let you know if you're listening, you're my hero because that is just incredible that he did that and th- had the, you know, at that age to be able to think, well, you know, what can I do to help somebody else is huge. Exactly. I, Not, I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just, it's just great. And and there's so much need right now, and I think it's something that we all forget. If we all can just change the world a little bit around us, and if we all did that together, man, I tell you what, we would see a huge difference really, really fast. And so, you think about it, most teenagers or maybe ten year olds, like you said, they think about themselves they're a little selfish not in right. a bad way but you know <laughs> right. you're 17 no, a lot of 16 year olds that are doing it too so trust <laughs> that's me. true but you think about a 10 year old he's he didn't think about the situation and i'm tired of being at home i'm bored i'm bored i'm bored he did say he was bored but he took that boredom and turned it into something good and not just internalized it and complained all the time so i love that I do too. I do too. And you know, it's, it's tough. I, I, I'm on Facebook a lot and on social media and so forth. And there's, it's just, you know, we talked about that a little bit with John, how people are going through the different stages of grief right now and you can see it, but I mean, there is a certain degree when you get to acceptance on those five stages and you're just like, okay, now what can I do to change the world? And, you know, I've also noticed an awful lot of people graduating. 
this is the time. And, and kudos to number one, to the school districts out there and to the universities that are finding unique and very creative ways to be able to create this experience for everybody who's worked so hard to be able to earn that piece of paper, to get that degree, to be able to walk across the stage virtually or however drive by or however they do it. And, you know, it's it's neat when you can walk around the neighborhood and you can see all the signs and you can see how much everybody's loving on these graduates for 2020. And I, I tell you, um, you know, it seems, I guess, on the surface that they've lost so much when you think about it. It's like they didn't get to go to prom or they didn't get to have a traditional graduation. But I tell you what, this generation, these graduates are going to be so incredibly strong and resilient. They're going to have skills, to be honest with you, that are going to be able to take them through this problem that we've got right now, but also to be able to face any other challenges they're faced because they've had to learn how to adapt to change and they've had to do it quickly. And so um, I just wanted to say right now, congratulations. If you were a graduate, I am incredibly proud of you. Like I said, I've got three kids at the house. I know what it's like to try to figure out how to do distance learning. And my wife's a teacher and she's been trying to figure out how to do distance learning. And it hasn't been easy, but you did it. And you not only you did it, but you did it well and you did it with class and you did it with style. Um, you know, I can't tell you what the new world's going to look like that you're going to be facing, but you know what? You've got a toolbox now where you're going to be able to do great things. And I, I just to join in on the chorus of people that are very proud of you because I know I am. It, it, it's tough right now. And I know um, it's hard when you watch the news because you see all the tough information that's coming out about the virus, obviously. The, you know, we probably, the curve is flattening in Mississippi, although the number of cases are still growing. You know, kudos to, the, to our friends in the medical business who have done such a great job helping us, you know, be able when we get sick to take care of us. Um, obviously, this has affected every aspect of our lives. You know, I mean, I walk around the neighborhood. I see houses for sale. I know there's people that have lost jobs. And if you haven't lost a job, you're very fortunate and you need to count your blessings. But I mean, I was sitting there thinking. Huh. I, you know, I just had this sense of unease um, all weekend a little bit. And it may have been something I ate. I don't know. But I, I was just thinking about it. And then this little reminder thing popped up on Facebook. And I don't know if this does with you, but, but like past memories from like seven or eight years ago or two years ago, they pop up. And there was a picture of me and my friends. And we were sitting at the finish line of Flying Pig Marathon in Cincinnati. And we all had our medals. You know, and, and it was two years ago, we completed the marathon. We did it four hours and 45 minutes. And I say we because we as friends ran it together and we crossed the finish line together and had identical times. We trained it together. We suffered together and we felt the joy of completing our goal together. And I mean, it was a wonderful experience, one that I will never forget. Um, and I know they won't either. We just really bonded. We became great friends through this. It was hard. It really was. And um as much as I don't want to admit it, I guess right now the world is just changing rapidly and it's also hard, you know, and I mean, no matter what those commercials say, no one is looking out for us during these uncertain times. I mean, it's like, okay, there's no owner's manual to figure out how to get through this. It's a time when we basically just have to step up and face that pain that what's in our past. And a large part of me, you know, is in denial and you probably are too. I know a lot of us are, and you can tell by what people are writing, but, um, I'll be honest with you, I'd like nothing better than pretend this is all hoax or it's not happening, but but it is happening. It is real. And, uh, you know, it's going to require the best of us, just like what happened with, with our good friend James, who rode his bike for 10 miles to raise money for the Mississippi Food Network and is able now to provide 18,000 meals. 
that's called stepping up. That's what's, that's the best of us, you know, and, and I was thinking about what would it take for me to get the best of me and to do better. And I think what we have to do is just declare war on fear. And I'm not saying that there's nothing to be afraid of. Believe me, um, as Tony's going to probably attest to in a few minutes, COVID-19 is definitely something that's fear worthy. Uh, no, I'm just suggesting it's time for us to, to basically to, um, to go ahead and change, you know, head on and make ourselves better. At least I'll try. I think you did touch on something there. You know, use your energy in a positive way. I was on a podcast last week and I was talking with the guy's a dad too. And, you know, he's, he's got young kids and, you know, mine are 13. And I have to mention happy birthday to both my boys. They've oh, turned 13 and 20, my youngest birthday. and my oldest. For one day I had all teenagers, <laughs> just one day. And then my oldest opted out when he turned 20. But my friend was talking about how his daughter has they decided they would have theme nights on their dinners and so she would pick the theme and they would do italian one night and they would dress up and they would do candle operas and they would have real you know just really fancy and i said bingo that is it right there because what you're doing is creating something that she will remember when she's our age instead of being afraid she will remember the memory of how you managed to take the time out to be there for her and create something special find friends help them work through this, do it together. And then you're going to be fine. I mean, it's just, it, it is scary. And there's a lot of things that we're going to have to face that we have never had to face before. And, you know, and of course I go back to my grandparents, they managed to pull it off. They've got through the great depression and world war two, and we're made of those genes and that stock. We can do it too. And we can do it together. And I tell you what, our guest today is going to be somebody that's going to inspire you just from her whole life story, but looking forward to talking to her today. So, all right. Well, we're going to take a break. That was a great opening segment. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Now You're Talking on TV Think Radio. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. You're listening now. You're talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm the editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. Well, it was early Sunday morning on July 18, 1987, and the headlines read, a 22-year-old graduate of Mississippi University for Women on Saturday night was crowned the first Black Miss Mississippi. Our guest today defeated the odds then, and she's been doing it ever since. So let's welcome to the show the beautiful and talented Ms. Tony Denise Seawright. Tony, welcome. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. I am not only honored, but very happy that you're on the show today. And I was trying to think of where we should start. I think probably from the beginning, um, you're originally from Moss Point, right? Yeah, born, bred, and raised in Moss Point, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. A graduate awesome. of 1982, graduate of Moss Point High School. 
Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, I, let's talk a little bit about your upbringing and describe what kind of what, what was childhood like. You had a, a great childhood. Oh, I did. I'm a, I'm the youngest of eight. I have a twin sister. Wow. <laughs> and uh, my my mom and dad raised us. You know, we, we brought up in the church. My dad was an Air Force was in the Air Force and became a, a serviceman, you know, civil serviceman after that, working at Keesler Air Force Air Force Base. And uh, my mom uh, worked in, 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 in the Head Start program, uh, so she was uh, a social worker. And we brought up in the church, we sang, we were in sports. My brother Norman was, you know, all sportsman. He was, uh, uh, went to all a Boys Nation, girl, you know, and all of that stuff. And he ended up becoming a pilot. He went to Ole Miss, became a pilot. And you know he 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 was a football player at Ole Miss, so he did all of those things. My other brother Andre uh, was fabulous. He was in the Marines. I'm from a military family, to be quite honest. My sister, <laughs> yeah, uh, my sister Cynthia was in the Air Force. My sister Phyllis was in the Air Force. You know, so uh, you know we we were pretty much a, a, a military family uh, for the most part. But the the last uh, myself, my twin, and my sister Marcia. And my sister Deborah, we we're the only uh, four who didn't. Four of us went into the military. The other four just, you know, graduated from college and high school and stuff like that. But basically, you know, we were we were sports. We were all sportsmen, sports women. Did a lot of ac- academics, you know, uh, wonderful academics, and just you know, basically, uh, my mom just and and dad just brought us up, you know, just to do the right thing and be hardworking, uh, you know, people and do great for our families and that's really what you know the basis of our our upbringing was about what was the range on on the ages of the kids because i was the youngest too and i had two older sisters so i basically had three moms my eldest sister was 13 years older than us and then my sister was 12 yeah i'm 12 years older and then my um phyllis is uh, marcia is is, deborah is 13 years older uh cynthia is 12 years older uh, Marcia is 10 years older. Phyllis is nine years older. My brother Norman uh, C. Wright, uh, he has an album out, by the way. He's five years older. And uh, Andre was three. He's not with us anymore. He passed away at the age of 39, six months shy oh. of his 40th birthday. But he died uh, in 2002. And he was uh, two years older than us. And then Tina and I will be 56 this year. <laughs> Wow. Wow. I, I just remember, you know, when you're the youngest and there's a, enough of a gap, they're just kind of like, OK, just go play in the street. You're fine. But it sounds like you guys were very busy and very athletic and, and very close. And when you graduated from high school, how did you choose the W? I mean, what made you decide to go up there? You know, it was crazy. I, I had been accepted at Berkeley College of Music. I was going to go there. My mom was like, oh, that's so far away. You're in Boston. I don't know. I didn't know anyone there. So. Then I got a full scholarship to uh, Spelman, and that was in Atlanta, which I didn't really know yeah. a lot of people there either. And uh, so my brother, um, I was actually on my way to Spelman, and I was just going to check out uh, the Mississippi University for Women. I was only going to go there just to, you know, for a, a, a semester, and if I liked it, I was going to stay. But my intention was to go to Atlanta and go to Spelman because I'd already accepted a, a four-year scholarship or in the midst of accepting one. And uh, my brother was in uh, at, uh, 
at the Air Force Base in Columbus, Mississippi. He had already graduated, and he was in Air Force pilot training there, pilot training in Columbus. And he said, listen, come on up to, uh, to uh, you know, check out Mississippi University for Women. You may like the school. So I said, okay. So I told my dad and my mom that I wanted to go and check out the school. And um, and I, I took a whole big old suitcase with me. So my father was like, well, if you're going up there for a week, why are you taking all those bags? I said, well, Dad, if I like it, you know, we'll stay. So, you know, he wrote me a check. I didn't have any scholarships or anything. We, I just walked on. And, you know, and, and that's what got me up there. My brother was in pilot training and invited me to come and live with him and, you know, check out the school. And I got there, walked on the campus, auditioned uh, for a, a music scholarship, a vocal music scholarship, and I got that. And I was also a part of a, a music show, uh, a singing show choir that went around to uh, area schools and uh, and and uh, junior colleges to bring people and recruit them for you know, the W. So it was a lot of fun. And, uh, but that was the premise of my going there was because of my brother inviting me up there when he was in pilot training. So it's always kind of <laughs> nice knowing that you got your big brother to look out for you. Yeah, that's right. He's still looking after me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but, you know, Lord help anybody that messes with you. That's for sure. You know, oh, you, you obviously, I mean, you, you had talent. You, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just listening. Go on. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry you were cutting out a little bit on me. Um, you obviously are one of the more talented people I've ever seen. You just are really gifted. Was this something that you were when you were little? You knew you had the the ability to be musical, and I mean, was it or did did you do the beauty uh, pageant route when you were young? I mean, how did you get involved in doing that and and to get where you could be standing on that stage on that fateful day? Wow. Well, you know, growing up, my, my mom had us in, in the church. We sing, we sang a lot. You know, we was in the junior choir. We were in junior church. Uh, and we were also, my twin sister and I, I also were dancers. So we were long, known as the East Park Twins. And so as yeah. the, East, the East Park Twins, we competed in a lot of talent shows where we danced and we would beat everybody dancing. You know, we would do the Michael Jackson. We were <laughs> Everything. So then I think one day a troop beat us, like five people, then we started singing. Well, they can't beat us singing. So, so then we switched <laughs> off and started singing. And, um, and um, you know, my brother was a fabulous, is still a fabulous singer, but my mom is a singer. So we were singing a lot in church, and that became a part of, you know, our, uh, you know, not, you know, it's in our DNA from them, you know, but that just that just became a part of what we did as you know for fun we we would put out uh the broom and we'd get under the carport and give my mom and dad a concert uh we do michael jackson the Di- you know, diana ross the supremes everybody from motown we do these concerts in front of my our parents every holiday for the july memorial day weekend everything was just always fun and uh, you, so I grew up. You do realize singing. if you and I were in the studio, I'd have you singing right now. You do realize if we were in the studio. So. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I started singing, in, you know, in the church and singing, out, you know, with my mom and my dad and my family and stuff like that. And and, and um, basically that's, that's what started it. And then by the time um, I did a few pageants, uh, not a lot, like a, a little uh, something when I was 12 years old and I did something when I was 15 and I did something with the Elks uh, Lodge. Um, I did that particular pageant, maybe about four or five, but by the time I got to college, 
I wasn't involved in pageantry and really wasn't interested at all, you know, but every year because I was in the show choir, we sang for the entertainment, you know, you know, every year we sang for the entertainment. And after I would always do a solo or whatever, they would come up to me and say, Tony, you really need to be in this pageant. You know, you, you're so good. And you're, you're, you know, they would still gas me up, tell me I was outshining everybody and blah, blah, blah. I was like, nah, I just want to, I'm not interested. Nah. So then one of the ladies uh, kind of courted me in the elevator one day and she said, listen, I really think you should consider being in the pageant next year. Uh, just think about it. You got a whole year to think about it. And uh, I really think you can win and blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay. So I thought about it. I took a whole year to think about it. Um, I even wrote um, Mary Ann Mobley, who was a friend of, of one of the ladies at the student union. And uh, when I wrote Mary Ann Mobley, she wrote me back and she said, listen, I told her I wanted to be an entertainer. And she said, you know, you know, my choice was the Miss America pageant. She wrote me back all the way from Beverly Hills. I'll never wow. forget it. I had that beautiful uh, embroidered uh, 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 a letter head. It was gorgeous. And she just said, you know, my choice was Miss America pageant. I think you should go for it. I didn't think she didn't know. I, she didn't. She didn't know I was black. <laughs> so I was like, I don't think she knows I'm black. <laughs> so, so I said, okay, I'll get I don't know how I'm gonna make it to the Miss America pageant for Mississippi. So okay, but she kind of put it in my head too. That was affirmation, and that at that point, I said, well, let me go ahead and uh, compete for the Miss W pageant. And I had um um man Millie Ivy, and her her name her name is Millie Ivy Swan now, but. Her mom, Bonnie Ivy and Millie Ivy, they were from Meridian, uh, um, Mississippi. They brought me up there for like a weekend and just worked with me on interview and all kinds of stuff. They took me to meet uh, Susan Aiken, and Susan Aiken put all these beautiful, who was the former Miss America, and she put all these beautiful dresses on me. And I was like, wow, I think I'm going to win Miss Mississippi. After. And it was the still the, the, the local level at that time. And uh, they, they just helped me and gave me all of the foundations that I need needed to compete at the local level at the Miss W and I and I competed I got my band it was the first time anyone had brought a live band to perform uh at the pageant so I, I was in a chitlin circuit band called Conspiracy and uh Dr. L uh, Roland Cologne was the the manager and you know a few of the band members decided they you know would play for me for for talent you know at the pageant so I didn't use any tape I brought a live band and um, and I sang and, and I won awesome. I won that night and that's and that's how I I ended up winning that that pageant that night and um and then went on to win uh, obviously um, Miss Mississippi you know and it was just a wonderful experience you know when I remember when I when I arrived uh, I was the last um uh, uh person to to sign up the young last girl to sign up and my face my face was on the paper in front of the paper the next day, and I'm like, they said, final contestant signs up, you know, and I'm low, and I wave, you know, whatever. And then the next day, um, I think, you know, my first night was talent. And so uh, I, 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 I ended up winning talent. I was on the front page again. So one of the girls walked up and said, Tony, do you have a publicist? Who's putting you on the front page? I don't know, you know. So it was just funny, fun things going on, so many fun things going on at the Mississippi pageant that year. And I remember um, them telling us on that Saturday morning we couldn't be in touch with our family, you know, we couldn't watch the news or read any papers because they didn't want us, they kept us away from all media because they didn't want us to know what was being said or what was, you know, whatever. 
So we can only say hello to our family in front of them and all that stuff. But that night of the pageant, what I didn't know until after uh, the pageant was over, they had already put in the paper on Friday and, and Saturday morning, um, you know, that Carla Haig would win Miss Mississippi unless the likes of a, unless a dark horse, a dark horse such as the likes of Tony Seawright comes along and takes it all. And I was like, yeah, I guess I was the dark horse. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to continue our conversation with former Miss Mississippi, Tony C. Wright, and discuss her amazing coronavirus recovery. Hey, if you have any questions or comment or our guests, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or you can drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Hey, this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Hey, today we're talking with former Miss Mississippi Tony C. Wright about her pasture to the crown and how she's fought and survived COVID-19. Hey, phone lines are open. If you have any questions or comment for Tony, jump on and give us a call, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop me an email, eonline.org. Tony, it's just good to talk to you. It's been a while. And um, just okay. before we get in a little about your COVID-19 experience, just kind of set the stage. Where are you now? Tell us a little bit about your family and, and what you're doing. Yeah, so I just... Um... I just actually earned my master's in entertainment business. I graduated. I did an online program. It was an accelerated program uh, from Full Sail University. And so, uh, congratulations! Of, <laughs> thank you. And ironically, both of my sons are also uh, attending the university. Uh, my eldest son, uh, Christine Middleton, he was, uh, you know, he was on. That's the one that was on American Idol. He was an American Idol finalist and was. Mm-hmm. A South Star on um, uh, Nickelodeon in the show called The Naked Brothers Band. He um, is is majoring in uh, uh, audio engineering at at Full Sail, and he's doing well. And and my youngest son, who will be twenty on Friday, he's majoring in uh, uh, digital cinematography. He's also an actor. Both of them are singers and rappers and musicians and drummers and guitarists. And the, both of them were also on uh, uh, the Netflix show called The Get Down. And the eldest, the youngest, rather, Khalil, will be in a movie called uh, Marry Me with uh, um, Jennifer Lopez. So he just shot that film uh, with her in October. 
So the both of them are are are, are wonderful uh, performers and entertainers. I I've, I've always been doing my own thing here in New York. You know, I love to develop uh, artists and help them bring out the best uh, potential that they have within themselves. I've done showcases at. Um, venues here. Uh, one of the places that I did uh, my showcases was, was the Sugar Bar, which, which is Ashford and Simpson's club, which is a gorgeous club in, in the city. And then I also did the Five Spot here in Brooklyn. But my, my whole premise of, of doing things with the artists is to just embody the young artists and help them discover themselves and bring out things that they didn't know about themselves as far as acting, singing, dancing, uh, scene study, uh, musical theater, musicianship, producing, you know, or even even writing, you know, as far as uh, becoming authors or poets or whatever. But it's just a whole creative outlet of uh, of creativity and, 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 and discovery of who you are as a as a. Uh, as a as an artist, so that's what we do with with my company. And name my company is Tony C Wright Music and Entertainment. So that's what I've been doing, and that's what I've been doing with my sons. And we're just you know trying to get to the next level. <laughs> exactly. You know? well, it sounds like you're doing yeah. great. I know you're incredibly proud of them too. I mean, as a parent, I totally get that. And I mean, you have every yeah. right to be. You're also um, we're in the epicenter of probably the worst part of the outbreak of, of COVID nineteen, being in New York and in the Brooklyn area. Uh, Tell us a little bit about you with that, because, I, you know, when I saw you had it, I was just like, no, no, I was really worried about you. Just tell us, did you start having symptoms? Did it hit you fast? I mean, what happened with that? Yeah, so, listen, I, you know, I've been hearing about the virus, and I basically wasn't going around a lot of people. I don't go around a lot of people anyway. I'm pretty much a homebody, and uh, having uh, been in school for the past year and a half, I was always home a, a lot anyway, but when I got my master's, I, I obviously you 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 know you get your master's of science, you 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 want to expound upon that degree by getting you know uh, a piece of the pie, I should say. And me trying to get my own company, I kind of checked out some other companies that I wanted to learn from. So I decided to put myself to the job market, something I've never done because I've always been an independent contractor. I do real estate as well. So I just said, let me, you know, get into, I want to do my own wedding band business, my own wedding company. And so I saw a company that I wanted to do sales for and marketing for, and I decided I was going to go to this quote-unquote interview. However, when I arrived, something, the first day, the first time I got invited, I got caught into so much traffic, I realized I was going to be late. I in you know, I, I inboxed them and called them, and they told me, unfortunately, we start on time, so, you know, we're going to have to reschedule you. And, and I said, wow. They said, if we don't find anybody, we'll reschedule you. I'm like, oh, well, okay. So I told myself, for some reason, I really don't want to go to this interview. I don't, it's just some, it was just was knocking at me like I did not want to go to this interview. And it was like, I'm like, God, why do you keep telling me to go to this interview? You know what I mean? I don't want to go to this interview. And so they did call me back, and they asked me to come in on a Tuesday. So I went in that morning. I got I got up early, got in, I drove into the city. Uh, I had my mask. I had This was when they would say, telling everybody to, uh, you know, wear masks if they can or the hand sanitizer or whatever. But it wasn't, it wasn't a requirement at the time. But I had up in my bag my mask my hand sanitizers, my gloves, and everything. And I was dressed to the night. So I just kind of said, you know what, do I look like an idiot if I walk down the street with all this on? And <laughs> by the time I got to the building, uh, 
I kind of like did. I hesitate. I hesitated before I walked in because it was just so many people in the building. Because it wasn't like walking down the street where everything is out in the open and it's air. But now I'm walking in this building. I'm feeling like this is, this is not a good idea, Tony. You might be catching corona right now. I, I was saying this in my mind. Yeah, like, ooh, this might not be a good, good idea. So she said, I, and so the lady who was to conduct our interview, one of the young ladies. She said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to ask you to go to the bathroom and wash your hands. And I looked at her and I said, I really don't want to go to the bathroom. I kind of like got my stuff here. She said, right. I'm so sorry, I'll hold it. And she said, no, I'll hold it for you. You go, and I'm thinking, I really do not want to go in that bathroom. Like, you know, something said, Tony, don't go, don't go. Something said, go, Tony. <laughs> it's like that left person on the left shoulder right. saying, go. The other one on the right going, no, don't go. So I'm like, ah. So she's, she's looking at me like I got three heads, like, oh, you're going to that bathroom. So I went and washed my hands. I was angry the whole while I was in. I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm in this bathroom touching all this. I really don't want to be in this bathroom. Like, I feel like I'm being exposed to corona. I'm telling you, it was crazy. And so when I came out, I had this answer for my backpack, but now I'm like, you know, whatever. Let me just go upstairs and do this interview. So I go into the room, and I'm thinking we're going to get called in one by one. The lady comes into this 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 conference room and conducts a group interview. Now I'm, like, really tested. There's six of us in there. And we're not sitting six feet away. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking, right. wait, if I had known I was coming to a group interview, I would not have even left my home. You know, that's one thing. So now I'm at a group interview, and I'm thinking, this is really, like, what did I walk? She said, I just want to thank everybody for weathering the coronavirus storm and coming down here today and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, like, did we weather the coronavirus storm or did we just catch it? Like, like that's all I'm thinking about the whole while. But I, but I conducted my interview as if I was in the Miss America pageant. Like, every time she came down, I, I was like, Bruh! you know, I just answered the stuff <laughs> because I've been doing sales and I knew everything about the wedding band industry because that's what I've been doing for 25 years. So that was just like, that's right in my wheelhouse. So that was, that was all good for me, you know, but upon leaving, I'm thinking I met, you know, I talked to a few of the girls and then, you know, we left and um, I, I just kind of like threw, I said, Tony, you're hallucinating, you're, you're tripping, you're worried, you're worry wart, just leave it alone. Everything is fine. The next morning I I had my windows up. But when I uh, when I had awakened, my eyes were sore. And when I moved my wow. eyes up and down, like I had a sinus infection. And, you yeah. know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I got a little sinus infection. It hurts when I move, when my, when I move my eyes. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, that's nothing wrong with that. So that was it. I wasn't, I wasn't tripping off of anything else. And then... <clears throat> I think um, the next day, which was, that was on a Wednesday, was the 11th. The next day, was the, which was the 12th, we were getting the basement together because <clears throat> my sons were uh, uh, preparing for a, a meeting with some big execs for a record contract, you know. So we, they were coming to the house on that Monday. So we were making sure that the basement was great and everything was, you know, we had the seats together and the music out, and, you know, we were just down there in the basement on Thursday night. And I coughed, something I did, and my son looked at me, the youngest, he said, Ma, are you okay? I said, he said, you good? I said, I don't know. I thought it feeling kind of weird since yesterday. He said, yeah, you don't look good. He said, you look re- you look rather pale. I said, really? He said, yeah, Ma. I said, you know what? You know what? I, what? I said, I have been getting chills 
and feeling hot and cold. You know what, you know, where is that thermometer? So I ran upstairs, started looking for the thermometer, couldn't find it. Then I ended up finding it somewhere on the shelf. Like, if I'm, we haven't had a thermometer. I mean, we haven't been sick in years. The boys haven't had a fever. I haven't had a fever since 1994. And the boys haven't had fevers since they were babies. So, of course, I mean, I got a thermometer, but why do I need one, you know? So I found that one thermometer, and I put it, you know, I tested myself, and it said 102.7. I wow. said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I started walking around the room. It was like, yes. I said, oh, my God, I got coronavirus. I got yeah, but say so you I immediately it. thought you had it. And it's it's amazing. Your eyes hurt because I know that's one of the ways you can actually catch it is, is through your eyes. That's, that's yeah, interesting. But, it, but no, it, it's through your sinuses, too, as well. Yeah. So it, the, yeah. the sinus is what, what was bothering me. Because, and then it was. It might have come through my eyes. You're right. It might have come through my yeah. eyes. I don't know, but but once it gets into the sinus cavity, is where you're you're right. You, you know, you kind of. And so I'm walking around the house, going, "Oh my god, oh my god." So I told oh. the boys, "I said, get rid of everybody out of the basement. Tell them to go home." And I said, "You know," he said, "What's the matter?" I said, "I said I have coronavirus." Christine, so how you know? I said, "Christine, I have a fever." And you know, the at the time they said the 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 the, uh, the symptoms were dry cough fever, and yeah. headache, which I did not have a headache, and I didn't have a dry cough, but I did have a fever, and then I had this sinus thing, and these eyes hurting, but then, you know, but I, I still knew that it was something more than just sinuses, because I don't get fevers, so they were like, Ma, I said, no, I got coronavirus, I already know it, I already know it, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I have a spirit of discernment anyway, I already knew, so um, I told them to get their friends out of the house. You know, I, I said I'm gonna. I said stay away from me. I'm gonna social distance myself from y'all until we can. I get to the you know tested. And sure enough, I went the the next morning. I was letting everybody know <clears throat> that I was gonna go to the you know to the urgent care to see if they can get me a test. If I don't go to the hospital, we always go to urgent care. It's 24 hours, which it 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 it, it uh, alleviates alleviates all of the um. Uh, the, the 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 steps you you know once you go to hey. uh, a twenty four hour urgent care they'll see you there and then you can go to the hospital. Right, right. Hey, Tony, let's take a quick break and then we'll just come back okay. and, and we'll finish out your story before the end of the show. But we'll just hold right there. Okay. So you're you're going in to get tested. You got the fever. You know you've got it. You've gotten away from everybody. And when we come back on the other side of the break, we will tell the rest of the story. How's that sound? Okay, that's fine. Thank you. Okay. It's time for our final break, and we return. We'll wrap up our conversation with Tony C. Wright. Phones are still open. If you have any questions or comments, you can give a call now. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe i'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere this is an mpb think radio podcast Hey, this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, uh, with our guest today, the former Miss Mississippi and, of course, COVID-19 survivor, Tony Seawright. We've been listening to Tony's story. 
Tony, so at this point, you are in you you are in New York City in the Brooklyn. I mean, you're at your home at that point. You're coming down mm-hmm. sick. You're coming down with a fever. This is a time when it's really hard to get tested too. And because I had a friend that lived in Brooklyn about that time that got sick and he couldn't get tested. So I'm glad that you were able to yeah. do that. So you're at the urgent yeah. care. Tell us now what happened next. Well, see, now that Friday morning, which was Friday the 13th, I awakened and I told the boys I was going to go down. But then Cassine comes running in, you know, into the room and he's like, Mom, Mom, I have a fever. I have a headache. My eyes hurt. I say, oh, my God. So now I, no. I know he's infected. Yes. So now oh. I said, well, come go with me. I said, get dressed. We're going to go to the urgent care. And I'm feeling like, oh, I'm feeling horrible. But now I feel like now I'm passed this thing to everybody in the house. So my youngest son, who's fine, he's not symptomatic. So, and 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 uh, and also the girlfriends are here. So now I'm, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is really not going to be good for everybody in the house. So I made everybody stay away from me. Kasim went, went with me to the to the urgent care. They wouldn't see Kasim because they said that he was um, uh, not at risk. But because I'm, you know, of the age that I am, I'm at risk. Blah 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 blah. So they checked me and they said that it would. They checked me for the the flu first, and they said if I tested positive for that, then they would not test me for the coronavirus. But because I tested negative for the flu, they went on in hand and tested me for the coronavirus, which was a horrible test. Feels like they put that little skinny Q tip thing all the way back to the all the way in your nostrils to the back of your head, you know, feel like that is it was it was an awful, awful test. And after that, um they told me it was gonna take five to seven business days. That was on a Friday. However, on, on Sunday um, my my youngest son became symptomatic. He had a headache, fever, uh, sinus, same thing, same symptoms. And that Monday is when they called and confirmed that I had coronavirus. And I said, well, listen, you know, what do I do? And she was so, like, even when I spoke with her, she had no bedside manners. She wasn't nice at all. She said, what do you mean, what do you do? You, you just stay home and, 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 and for 14 days and you don't come out and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you wow. know, and, that's what, and there was no take. You know, she said, fortunately, you know, some people don't have, as you know, uh, a bad, many, you know, worse, bad, as, as, as bad symptoms as others. And, you know, she started to break it down so I wouldn't feel bad, but I didn't like the way she was, you know, talking with me as a patient. And I just kind of listened, and I didn't say anything because I'm like, you know, I'm at her mercy right now. I don't want to be a jerk. And um, so she just started talking to me about, you know, you know, try to drink plenty of liquids. But that, that was nothing else. She, she said, I don't, there's no treatment for this. So I don't really know what to tell you. And I'm thinking, well, why did you even, you know, I don't know. I was, I was angry. I really had gotten angry because I didn't like the way she spoke with me and no advice on anything. She got off the phone with me, and there I was like a sitting duck. And now I got to come up with all this Okay, guys, because we, we do health stuff anyway. I said, look, we got to come up with our own, you know, program and protocol. So I said, let's do the black seed oil, which is an all-cure oil, all-cure oil. Um, and uh, I read up on the black seed oil. It's antiviral, uh, you know, a property. So I said, let's let's work with that. Um, and then um, we we always chase that with Manuka honey. I do the green drinks in the morning. So I've been speaking with one of my, my friends. He told me to take this immunity formula formula with oil of oregano, and that was working, you know, but I wasn't, I I was gargling, gargling a lot with warm, salty water and uh, some Listerine, and, you know, doing all of that, because I said, it it said once it goes from your nose, it'll go to your throat, and you want to get some warm stuff in there, 
So I had yeah. started. Tony, doing... I, hate to, I, hate to, I hate to break in on you on this. I said we've only got about three minutes left of the show. Just kind okay. of kind of give the quick version of, you know, it never did it ever get in your lungs? Did you get worried? Were you scared? And I mean, on the yeah. now that you're on your way out, obviously you can possibly catch this again. What precautions are you taking? Yeah, so um, a, a little quick story. I'd seen uh, someone sent me a, a, met, a video of this guy named Rossiana who does all of these steam videos, and he was saying about fighting corona using steam methods, orange peels, yeah. onion peels, and sea salt. So I did that, and he said, if you're crazy like me, you'll put a hair dryer, which I don't advise, but I did it. And because I did get the, the – it went to my lungs. And I had already told the boys under no circumstances do they call 911 let me fight this in the house, and I did it. I made a makeshift a sauna in my bathroom with a heater. I ran the, the shower on high, sat in there, and let it steam up and get hot in there for 30 minutes. I would sit in there. I would, you know, do the steam treatments with my nose with the, over, a towel over my head over the pot. I would do that. And I, I would also start uh, – Diana Ross's daughter, who's a good friend of – one of my friends, told me to take this stuff called quercetin which is antiviral and anti-replicable, uh, rep which doesn't let the virus replicate itself in you. So I took some of that. And I did all of those things. And once I did the treatment, it just took the, the pressure off of my bronchial tubes and out of my lungs. Yeah. And basically that's what, what I talk to people about and making sure they get a lot of vitamin, you know, D3 plus K2. Because that whole right. the black nut catching it, you know, I, you know that, that debunks all of that because – um, you know, even though blacks do have a lot of underlying health issues, one thing that blacks uh, also have is the fact that they got a lot of melanin in their skin that blocks the vitamin D from getting in our yep. skin from the sun. So we have yeah. to supplement with the the D supplement. Yeah. I, I have read studies on that too, exactly, that vitamin D is so important, and especially African-Americans are effective because they don't process it as well. So that, that's good. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take you to, to pull out as, as we're starting to get ready to wrap up? I mean, was it three weeks? How long did it take it you was, to get uh, it totally? Was, it was approximately three weeks for me. My sons did well in like 10 days, seven, seven days. Great. Seven to 10 yeah. days, they were good. But it took me the longest because, you know, obviously, you know, I started getting the, the pneumonia in my chest and, you know, it was, uh, you know, it got really bad for me. And I was praying and talking to God at the same time, asking him what I was doing wrong. And I have to tell you, even though they put it back on the market, the ibuprofen was not good for me at the time. Right. And someone told me yeah. to switch to Tylenol. And, uh, and that's when I switched to Tylenol. Yeah, that's what they say. That, I've read that, too, that Tylenol is definitely the best way to go. All right, so in the last minute we've got here, how are you now? That's the main thing. You Are are you back 100%? I am back 100%. Uh, I do know that it, it affected my voice for a minute. Wow. So God told me to sing. So every Friday, every Sunday night, my, my, my sons and I go live on my Facebook page, and we just talk about my, our, our journey, our COVID journey, and we sing. Uh, he, he plays the guitar, and we sing songs, we do gospel, you know, worship songs, and then I jump on karaoke, and, you know, we just have a lot of fun. But, yeah, we're 100%. I'm 100%. They're 100%. Like I said, we gave it to them. I gave it to four people, the two of them and their girlfriends. So we fought, all five of us fought, fought it in my home. Excellent. And you all mm -hmm. beat it, and that's the good news. Uh, one last yeah. thing here before we go, what precautions would you recommend that we take? 
listen, at, at some point in the next year or two, it, it says that everyone would have gotten this disease. Just make sure that you, you up your immune system. And don't just take vitamin D, because vitamin D, uh, you have to take it with K2, you know. Well, t- Tony, I, we got to go. Unfortunately, we're in right yeah. out of time. But I am so glad you're doing well, and it's always good to talk to you. We'll have to get you back on soon, and you can tell a little Thank bit more you, about Marshall. your journey. Yes, All right. thank you so much for having me. <laughs> take care and be blessed. Well, we've come to the end God of another bless. great show. We want to thank you for joining us and thank our guest, the phenomenal and brave Tony C. Wright, for sharing her COVID story with us. And if you'd like to hear the show again or any other past episodes, you can listen to our podcast or your favorite podcast app by searching for Now You're Talking, or you can download our MPB public media app. Now You're Talking is a production of MPB's Think Radio and is production produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit by Dr. Josie Bidwell and join us every Monday at 10 for Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.